What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Paradigm Journals. On this episode, it's a tribute to women who travel alone. My first traveling experience abroad was to Costa Rica, and one of the things that really caught me off guard and really amazed me was seeing how many women were traveling by themselves. Even as a male, I was really scared and nervous to, to travel by myself. Um, I went, my first time traveling solo was with a friend of, who was a male who knew what he was doing and had been abroad pretty much everywhere. And we went to Costa Rica, we landed in San Jose, we rented a car and that was one of my first experiences, my second experience in a hostel, my first experience in a hostel international. And that's another thing we should probably bring up. I mean, hostels are all, always a big topic in this uh, podcast. But my first time staying in a hostel was in Portland, Oregon. And I was completely alone. I was the year I lived out of my car, traveling the country for a year. And I got to the hostel late. And it's basically you pay a small amount of money. It's usually between like 10 and 20 bucks. Sometimes it's a little more expensive in Europe. And it's set up with bunk beds. And there's probably like anywhere from 4 to 18 people, strangers, sleeping in a room together. Um... Some hostels have female-only bunks. Some, most of them are um, mixed dorms, though. And my first night sleeping in a hostel in Portland, Oregon, by myself, I slept with my wallet, phone, keys, and I think maybe even my pocket knife, like, tucked into my chest because I was so scared. And when I woke up the next morning and I met all the incredible people that were staying with me, I no longer was scared and I realized how incredible hostels are and how many people that you meet. So anyways, getting a little off topic, going back to Costa Rica and women traveling alone. Um, we got to San Jose, me and my buddy Dom, and we started making friends immediately at every hostel we went to. It's one of the great things about hostels, like I said, and you just... Meet a bunch of people in the lobby, you ask them what they're doing that night, maybe you grab a couple beers and you guys just hang out and for some reason there's just this permission in hostels that everyone just feels like, you know, open and friendly to everyone. You feel like you've known these people your whole lives, just right off the bat. The first person that we, we kind of recruited some people while we were traveling, um, renting a car, and the first one was a guy named Kunal, who was from upstate New York. His friend had... Uh, uh, missed his flight, and it got canceled, so he ended up getting stuck in Costa Rica alone, so we invited him to come with us, and then we went to uh, Manuel Antonio, no, not Manuel Antonio, we were we were in the uh, rainforest, Monteverde Cloud Forest, and I've, if you know me personally, and you know my background with my speaking stuff, I have an anxiety disorder, I have... Um, I've dealt with depression, and those were kind of the things that drove me to start traveling in the first place and get outside my comfort zone. Because one of the biggest triggers I ever had was dealing with 
long and far car rides from home, I always had a fear that like I was gonna get sick and stuck somewhere, and I'd have to have like even in college I was on the track team, and I'd have to have like a safety bag almost, and it had like Advil, water bottle, Pepto Bismol, like all these things just in case like something terrible happened to me. I my first time getting on a plane, you know, as an adult, I had to take a Xanax just to get there. So. For me, the theme of going to Costa Rica was getting myself outside of my comfort zone. I wasn't doing these things necessarily because they were enjoyable all the time, but more because it was challenging me. And I made a promise to myself when I got to Costa Rica was that if it scared me, I have to do it. I have to see if these people are as dangerous as some people say they are, you know, foreign people. Is the food always going to make me sick? You know, I had a terrible germophobia of that. And so I was always just trying to, trying to get myself out of my comfort zone. And I promise this is getting back to the theme of, of women traveling alone. So we got to the cloud forest and they wanted the highest and longest rope line or zip line in all of South America is in the Monteverde cloud forest. And Kunal and Dom wanted to do it. I didn't want to do it. I, I'm not terrified of heights, but I don't find it entertaining either. But I stuck with my theme of if it scares me, I have to do it. So I ended up doing it. It was awesome. I'm glad I said I did it. And then there was a uh, Tarzan swing at the end where you literally, it's like a, it's like a bungee jump that, doesn't, that just swings out and they put you on this gate. And they're like, are you, like, you didn't have to do it, but they're like, are you going to do it, Derek, and I, or do you want to? I'm like, nope, I don't want to, but I kept walking towards it. And they're like, why are you walking towards it? I'm like, because I have to do it. If it scares me, I have to do it. So they hook me up to it, they put you on the side of the gate, and then they just count down, and they let go of the gate, and you just swing. You drop, you free fall drop for about 30 feet, and then you swing all the way out. And I was the last one to go, and I was making all these really weird noises as the as the rope swing. I was like, Ugh. like it was like involuntary, and like Dom and Kunal were like laughing on the ground, like literally rolling on the ground at my pain. And when they when they lowered me down from the, the from the Tarzan swing, my legs were literally like shaking. I couldn't even like uncontrollably shaking, and I was exhausted. So. They wanted to continue, I think they were going four-wheeling or something like that, and I, I was exhausted from doing the rope swing and all that, and I just wanted to relax. And I found a coffee shop while they went and kept doing their thing, and I met these two women. Uh, one was named Xenia and one was named Irene. One was, uh, Xenia was from Germany and Irene was from Switzerland. And... This is the first time I'd ever met two women that were traveling alone, and I, I I was really taken off guard. I was, you know, I was like, "Isn't it, isn't it dangerous? Like, aren't you worried?" Blah blah blah. And they were like, "No, not at all." You know, um, Zenia, who was nineteen from Germany, she had been traveling completely alone for months. She started in Argentina, and she was making her way all the way to Mexico completely alone. I think she, I, when I asked her if anything dangerous had ever happened, I think she said that I, someone drunkenly, mistakenly, a man stumbled into her tent while she was camping in 
Argentina. And it wasn't really a big deal. And this really opened my mind to to this. And then the more I saw the more once I once they told me their story, the more I started um seeing noticing other women traveling alone and buddying up and pairing up when they meet in these hostels. And I thought it was really interesting. And every time that I and when I came home I was telling people this and people found it really hard to believe. Well anyways we befriended Xenia, and she ended up becoming part of our, our crew with me, Dom, and Kunal, and traveling the rest of Costa Rica with us the 10 days that I was supposed to be there. And she's now one of my really, really close friends. Mind you, it's, it was not romantic. It, we were just friends, and I think that's an important thing. We always think that it's, it has to be something romantic, but no, I, we just... We all love to travel. We she found us trustworthy. We wanted her to be a part of the group, and she came along for the ride. And that's like the spontaneous, amazing thing about traveling. Speaking of being spontaneous, I met the next solo traveler. I met that was a woman named Margot. Literally changed my life forever. So I was only supposed to be in Costa Rica for. 10 days, and I was having the time of my life. Back home, things still were kind of shaky. I really didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was still battling with with depression and, and figuring my life out. And as challenging as Costa Rica was for me, I wanted to make it more of a challenge, and I wanted to push myself. And so I decided that I was going to cancel my flight home I was going to cancel my flight home and continue traveling alone without my f my safety net of my buddy Dom being there. So I did that. I called the airline company. They canceled my flight. They gave me a credit. I called my parents. I told them I canceled my flight home. They were absolutely pissed. I called my girlfriend at the time. She was absolutely pissed, and then I called my job, which I was bartending at a local bar, and I said, I canceled my flight home, and they're like, okay, well, when are you coming back? And I said, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I have no idea when I'm coming back. Okay. I'm like, well, you, if you need to fire me, you can fire me. I understand. That's what I told them. So it didn't really sink in. It sounded really cool and awesome, and then it didn't really sink in until Dom left, and then Xenia and Kunal also went their separate ways when they were done, and Xenia was heading towards Mexico. So I'm in this hostel, and uh, I'm in this hostel on the coast, and it's a really rainy day, and I. There was nothing to do to, to distract myself or go exploring. I just had to stay in this hostel and wait out the rain. And that it was just, I was just marinating on how dumb this idea was of me to cancel my flight home and be here by myself. Like, I'd never been in a foreign country, let alone, alone like, by myself before. And my anxiety was saying, this is the dumbest idea you've ever had. So I'm sitting there journaling in a hammock. And just like any other hostel, whenever someone else is hanging out, you just strike up conversation. And I met a girl named Margot. She was from France. We get to talking and I find out that, you know, 
Margot has a travel blog. She's been traveling for like the last two years. Before that, she was working for a makeup company and, and it was not fulfilling for her. And she took traveling to like the next level. Like, and she was, you know, I think hitchhiking and doing things like that and going from Brazil to Panama and all this stuff. And I, that was just like way outside of my comfort zone. I was like, oh my God, like, how do you do that? Like, that's insane. That's crazy. But obviously, she had been fine if she'd been doing it for, you know, the last two years. She was obviously a very intelligent girl. She asked me what I was doing, and I said, honestly, I have no idea. And at this point in my life, I hadn't told anyone about my anxiety or depression that didn't absolutely have to know. Because I was ashamed of it. I was worried that it was people were going to judge me for it, but this and that. But, you know, I figured I'd never going to see this girl again. And it was something really on my mind and I need to vent about it. And I said, you know, I came to Costa Rica to get out of my comfort zone. To make my comfort zone larger. To find out the truth. And I didn't want to be defined by my... Not only did I not want to be defined by my anxiety, but my depression gave me the urgency that life was really short. And that, you know, I needed to live life to the fullest. And I was, I was telling her all this, and she really understood. I don't even know if she understood, but she found it fascinating, and she took me seriously. That was, the, that was the important part. So she goes her way, I go my way, and my, last challenge, my challenge was I was going to get on a bus completely alone and go seven hours to a little surf town called San Teresa. It had one little dirt road with chickens running around, and you could rent four-wheelers, and that was everyone's form of transportation was motorbike and four-wheelers, and you hitch a surfboard at the back, and it's just surf shops, coffee shops, little tiny restaurants and locals, and, you know, I could tell you for an hour how challenging it was, I could tell you for an hour how amazing it was and rewarding it was. When I did that for about a week, I decided that it was time to come home, that I was ready to come home, and the things that I learned, the tools that I took, from that challenge, I thought would give me more confidence when I came home to figure things out. The day before I was supposed to take the bus back to San Jose to fly out, I got a message from Margo, and she's like, hey Derek, uh, where are you in the country, by the way? Um, I said I was in San Teresa. She's like, that's weird, I'm gonna be there tomorrow. And even weirder, she she was like, I want you to, is it cool? I've been really thinking about your, you know, your situation and your story, and I think it would be really important to share with people. And I was really reluctant. I, w I was not really sure because I'd never shared my story with anybody that didn't have to know, like I said, let alone post it on social media to, to public. You know, what if a job thought of me differently and I didn't get a job in the future because I told people that I had anxiety disorder and depression? All that stuff was running through my head. So the next day, Margot shows up. We do the interview on the beach with a GoPro, and she posts it, but I was terrified. I couldn't look at the, at the video. Couldn't watch it. So I didn't look at my social media until I landed from the plane flight from Costa Rica back home. And the video had 8,000 views in two days, and I had messages from people from all over the world, literally all over the world, telling me how my story, they resonated with it, they had questions about how I did it, you know, they they 
they felt the same way. I had people from back home who were some of my bartender regulars, who were lawyers, doctors. I had friends from high school I hadn't talked to in years that told me that they, you know, understood and they were dealing with the same thing. And that's where I got the idea that I want to do this for a career. I want to make my career helping people and spreading this word. And that's when I got the idea of the Paradigm Journals, my speaking project, my mental health speaking project. That's why I applied for the TED Talk that I gave. And it all came down to if I had listened to everything my mother and father said, they were, they were upset with me for choosing to stay in Costa Rica. If I listened to my girlfriend at the time who wasn't supportive, if I had listened to the, the, you know, the meaningless job that I had, if I listened to my anxiety, you know, I never would have met Margot. I never would have, if I never would have met Margot, I would never have done the Paradigm Journals. I never would have done the TED Talk. I would never would be doing what I'm doing for a job that I love right now. And so meeting Margot, the solo woman traveler, completely changed my life. And that's why this episode is so important to me because I want not just women, but anybody who wants the courage to travel alone, I want them to be able to do it. And these, these women that I'm going to show you in the, uh, the rest of the episode, um, I hope they give you some encouragement. I hope they make you laugh. I hope you, they, you enjoy it as much as I do. How rare is this? It, I, women travel alone, it's not incredibly that rare. This is a statistic I'm making off the top of my head. This is a guesstimation. But I honestly think it's like 50-50. Half of solar travelers I meet have been women. Um, going to Costa Rica, or going to, um, excuse me, sorry. Going to Morocco, I thought that this statistic was going to be drastically different. I thought there was going to be much less women traveling alone. One, because it's a Muslim country. It's seen as a lot more, I, I think Americans especially, Westerners, see Muslim countries as being a lot more dangerous because we misunderstand them. The only things we see is what we see in the news. Terrorism, things like that. And ironically, the day after I bought my ticket to Morocco, two, I get someone sends me a news article of two Scandinavian students getting beheaded in Morocco. And my heart just sank. And I was like, oh, my God. What am I going to do? I'm like, I already bought this plane flight. Like, should I go? Shouldn't I go? I, I was debating it for a really long time. Like, I wasn't sure if I was going to go. It really riled me up. So I, I, was, I, did some, my, I did my research on what happened to these girls. You know, I asked other people's opinions. And before I went, and if you haven't heard the story... These two girls uh, were doing, were backpacking together. They went to university together. Uh, they went to a Scandinavian university. They were hiking one of the high. They were hiking the highest mountain in all of Morocco, in all of Africa. Sorry, and it was a very isolated mountain. How isolated? I don't exactly know. That's just what the the news articles are telling me. But you know. These men that pulled them out of their tents, they claimed 
they pledged to ISIS and they beheaded one of the girls and they killed the other girl in her tent. I came to the conclusion that I still needed to go on this trip because anything can happen anywhere. The day of the mosque shooting in Pittsburgh, I went to a Halloween party down the street. You know, these things happen all over the place. Not only that, but we can't let fear stop us from doing the things that we want to do. That is what terrorism is. That is what terrorism does. They want us to be scared. They want to represent, they want that you to think that this could happen to you. 11 million people visit Morocco every single year. It's 10% of their national income is tourism. Nothing has happened, besides these two women getting beheaded, nothing has happened ever in this country besides there was one bomb attack on a cafe in Marrakesh where 17 people were killed in 2011. This happens all over the world. There was two bombs planted in the London airport uh, literally a week to the day after I was in the London airport on my layover back from Morocco. Anything can happen anywhere. We can't live our lives in fear. And I found out that I wasn't the only one that chose to continue going. And that's when I met um, so many solo traveler women in, in Morocco. And I hope you really enjoy what they have to say. As you're listening, um, I want you to keep some things in mind. You can choose your level of adventure. You know, some of these girls that you're going to meet and talk to, they have different preferences. They have, you know, to what what is safe and what is not. There's no right or wrong. Uh, keep your, but when you're traveling alone, you've got to keep your wits about you. You've got to use your, um, you know, emotional intelligence. You know, don't go, what, did these girls make a mistake that got beheaded? I don't really know. I, I wasn't there. I, I, how much of it was luck? How much of it was bad luck? How much was it, was, was it them making poor decisions? I don't go terribly off the beaten path. You know, I don't love the touristy areas, but, you know, you can find the local areas, but you don't have to go to the isolated parts of the mountains completely alone either. It's whatever your confidence is, whatever your threshold is. Some of the girls you're going to meet that I interview, they seek out this danger they they it's a it's an adrenaline rush for them you know and you can take what you want from their stories they tell and and apply it accordingly but without further ado i i hope you enjoy this podcast and i hope it means as much to you as it means to me you need to send me the link for the the podcast or whatever yeah or i absolutely will yeah <laughs> I'm having coffee on the terrace of our hostel in Chefchaffron for the second day with Maya. Uh, Maya, where are you from? I'm from Germany. I'm from the south of Germany. Um, I caught a pretty cheap flight to Morocco. How much was it? I think it was like 120 euros. Nice. Yeah. How long are you traveling in Morocco for? Um, this time only 10 days because I traveled for like two years. And then I, at some point I got tired of it and I started to do university and um, I really enjoy doing that. But I have two months off, so I decided I wanted to go on holiday, but not traveling so much. 
So I You get two months off in the middle of the year? Yes. Really? Yeah, I get four months off every year. Every year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a summer break and a winter break, yes, maybe, yes, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. How old are you? I'm 21. You're 21? Yes. So when did you, how old were you when you started traveling for two years straight? Like 19 or 18, I don't know. Was that right out of high school or yes. what you call high school? Yeah, yeah. Is that normal to travel that young? For Germans, yes. I met a lot of French people and they told me it's like not socially accepted to do that. Mm -hmm. Everyone starts uni first, also a lot of Americans. But in Germany, it's very socially accepted and a lot of people do it. Mostly everyone goes to like Australia, New Zealand, America, or some are pushed by their parents a bit to learn English. But once they come back, they, they don't speak English that great because there's so many Germans around everywhere and they just <laughs> speak German all the time. Yeah. Yes. Where did you go in, for those two years while you were 18, 19 years old? Mm, so I, at that time, I didn't speak great English. So I, I just did volunteering work in Germany, actually. I started off with that. I, I went to farms and I worked there for like six months on three different farms. And then at one point I went to a farm in uh, Hamburg. It was more like a sect. It was crazy. <laughs> it was more like a what? A sect. A sect? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, a sect. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, you, I guess I'm not really sure what... Like uh, the society where there's a hierarchy. Oh, okay. Yeah, and a lot of people sleep with each other. And uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like not on purpose, but uh, I went there and no one spoke German because it was like 80 volunteers mm -hmm. from all different kind of countries. And then I had to speak English and I was there for like two months and then I spoke English. And then I met this girl from, from England and we started traveling in Europe first. And then I went on to Central America and Southeast Asia because the step, like... Um, By yourself? Yes. Really? Yeah. As a 19-year-old girl? Yes. <laughs> I always wanted to go to Central America because my parents were there for like eight months. And uh, my mom got pregnant there accidentally. And With you? Yes. That's yeah. why my name is Maya also. Oh, because really? Because they were like in Guatemala and Mexico and there were all those Mayan ruins. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I always wanted to go there and see the jungle. See where you were named after. Yes. <laughs> so what part, where did you go through in South America? You went through... I, I went to all the Central American countries. Central American, yes. okay. okay. Uh, Costa Rica to Mexico. Did you feel safe as a woman traveling alone? Mm, in Central America, I, I didn't feel as safe. In Costa Rica, yes. In the other countries, no. But um, it wasn't because I was a woman, I think. Those countries are just not as safe. Yeah. There's a lot of corrup corruption going on, and um, I saw some stuff that was pretty terrifying. Like what? Like, um, so I went out in Guatemala one night, and um, police started searching my bag for my phone, and they just took it. I had two phones with me, so it was fine, but it was the police. What are the chances you had two cell phones with you? <laughs> because it was the first time traveling out of Europe and I was 19, so I took two cell phones in case yeah. one got stolen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought everyone's going to steal my stuff all the time. Right. Yeah, I thought it's going to be like that. Was it like that? No, no, just this one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just this one time by the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just this one time by the police. Okay. <laughs> and uh, one couple, they told me they went from uh, America to Mexico. And when they crossed the border, there were people hanging on the border. 
They were like hung by the mafia on the border. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. And people are taking maquettes on the bus. Really? Yeah, we did that too at some point. We just bought a maquette because we took local buses all the time because I didn't have money. Yeah. Why do this? Why travel this way? <laughs> oh, it was fun. It was so much more fun than Southeast Asia, obviously, because it was my first time, so I was very excited about everything. I took so many photos. Um, the, the, so the being... Like the danger. The danger yeah, that didn't deter. it was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very adventurous. How normal is it for, you know... A woman to be traveling alone how often do you see other women traveling alone in hostels like what's the ratio you'd say mm -hmm. so in my experience like the people it depends a lot on the countries i don't know why but in central america i met a lot of women traveling alone mm -hmm. also my age and then when i went to southeast asia there was basically no people were traveling alone I feel like Southeast that's way Asia sa safer. Very safe. Yeah. yeah, it's very safe, but people just go there on like vacation to mm -hmm. Thailand to to drink, so they take their friends, you know, and uh, Central America was more of a country where people wanted to explore and wanted to see the culture. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe it was that, but um, also in like Vietnam, 90% of travelers were British people. It yeah. depended so much on the It country. is it is strange yeah, how you it's see really strange. I've seen met more Americans traveling here than I've met in any other country I've I've been to. It's yes, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And this would have been the last one. It depends a lot. I met a lot of Germans in Central America and in Southeast Asia in the countries I went to, not so many. Do you think that having that break between high school and college helped you figure out what you want to go to school for? Yes. What yes. are you going to school for? Um, I'm studying social work in university, and I like it very much. Nice. I enjoy it really much. People, people always told me once you travel too much and you start university, you don't want to do it university anymore because you're so used to the traveling life and to having holidays all the time. Do you think that's true? For me, it's not. I, I love having a stable social life again. Yeah. I didn't notice I missed it, but now I have a life like... Um, Every every other day, I go with the same people to the same bar. I eat the same stuff. I enjoy that as you well. You need the routine and the adventure. You need yes, about somewhere yes. in, in between. You yes, know, yes. I, I felt the same way. I'm yeah. like, I want to find a center. I want to be able to travel and do what I want to do, but also have some sort of stability at the same time. Yes. So, do you think if you didn't travel for those first two years, would you have been ready for university? Would you have been as confident to pick social work as your? No. Because I I feel like a lot of kids in the United States. We just get thrown, we're 18 years old and we have to go straight to college and yes, it's like, okay, exactly. figure out what you have to do for the rest of your life. Yes, I And guess. it's it's very costly for us. It could, you know, you could be in debt for the rest of your entire life Yes. Uh, in the United States. How much does it cost you to go to school? It costs me like, um, per semester, 120 euros. 120 euros. But that's the, the ticket for the uh, public transport. It's not for the university so much. So it's it's like sixty euros for the university. Really? Yes. It's so free. it's free. So a lot of people study like more than one subject or change subjects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every yeah, everyone who wants to study can study, I guess. How do they have that ability to do that? Mm. Your your country. Why I do you think know. that is? I don't know. You're not sure. High taxes, but so does the U.S. No, I yeah. don't know why it's like that. Yeah, we we don't yeah. We sp we also spend a lot of money on military, but maybe not so much. I don't know. 
Yeah. I couldn't tell you, but um, it's it's our focus, like education, mm -hmm. because the government feels like that's very important. I Absolutely. Guess, for a, for a good economy. Yeah. It's, good education is good now. Absolutely. It's it's free for everyone. Actually, also uh, American citizens can come and study for free. Everyone can. Can they? Yeah, the government calculated if they come over and um, after graduating, working at least uh, for six years in Germany, it pays off. Really? Yeah. So they think that most Americans, if they come study there, they'll stay. Yes. Exactly. They're hoping at least. Yeah, yeah. Most they of them. calculate. They yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Germany doesn't seem like such a bad country to be in. I, I really enjoy it there. I love it there. Yeah, I love I love living there. I, I like it. I can imagine living in, like, South America. Mm -hmm. But um, What would you like to do once you graduate? Where do you think you see yourself? Mm, I can't say that now, but I think I want to go abroad for a year. But then not traveling and exploring, but staying in like one place abroad. Yeah. Having their also a social life, but maybe going to a country where they speak Spanish. I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure yet. Maybe I want to learn another language or maybe I want to go to Berlin also. I always want to do that. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yes. The options are yours. Yes. If you had, this is my last question. <laughs> If you, and then I'll let you go for the day, because you have to head to Tangier. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you had one thing to tell a girl or anyone that was not really sure in life and wanted to travel, but is scared to because they don't have people to do it with, what would you tell them? Hmm, that's a hard question. I think you should start with what you're comfortable with, because I wasn't comfortable with speaking English at all, and then I, I just started traveling in Germany. And um, just do what you're comfortable with and you will develop uh, confidence about doing stuff and you will be more uh, exploring and yeah, it will work. <laughs> Maya, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> really appreciate it. Safe travels today, right? Yeah, thank you. He's recording all this. He's like, these idiots. I just started oh, right oh, now. Oh, damn. So, I'm here in Cheshifon. Chef Shawan. Chef Shawan. Chef Shawan. I can't pronounce anything. Chef Shawan. Morocco, aka the Blue City, and I gotta say, this is by far one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Very Easily. Hygienic. Easily. And I met two really cool people at the hostel that have been taking me around, actually. <laughs> Yusi and Adriana. What's Ciao. going on? Chilling on the terrace on top of our hostel. Yeah. With a beautiful view. <laughs> Where are you two girls from? Toronto. Toronto. You're traveling yeah. by yourselves? Yes. Two ladies. Two ladies on your on own. On the go. Were you worried when you have you ever traveled alone by yourself? I have. Yeah. I think we've both traveled solo before. How often? Um, like how long have you been traveling alone? Alone? I think I first started in 2015. I went to Europe by myself. And Were you? I traveled seven different countries then. Since then? No, no, oh, no. Oh, just in Europe? Just okay. in Europe. And that was by myself. I met up with my best friends for a week, but I actually enjoyed it when I was by myself more. Really? Yeah. Why is that? I think I just like the freedom of um, just not having to, like, unless we're on the same page, I felt that it was easier for me to see the things that I want to do, the things that I want. Um, everything is just kind of on my own terms rather than um, trying to meet, like, the standards of my friends, I guess. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like they're a little bit more like bougier, so they want to stay at like nice, expensive hotels. Whereas I just kind of want like the local experience, trying the local foods, staying at hostels, meeting new people. Whereas they're a little bit more like I guess sheltered and scared. Mm -hmm. Definitely paranoid of what's out there. Why do you call it paranoia? Like, is <clears throat> is it is our hostel safe? Like. Is traveling alone, but like especially being a woman, yeah. Do you feel threatened at all? Like, have you ever felt threatened? Um, I actually haven't been any in any situation traveling alone as a female where I felt I was in any sort of danger. Really? Yeah. Where all have you been? I've been to all continents around the world. By yourself? Um, sometimes with Adriana, sometimes with other friends, but a lot of times I just meet people along the way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've done a lot of solo traveling. The longest trip was for five months, but I actually did that one with a childhood friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And that was another female. And uh, there were times where, like, I guess the worst part was in Thailand when we were at the full moon party and there's just so many things going on at once, very overwhelming. And uh, we caught a guy actually drugging our drinks. Really? Yeah. But like... I think because you're just a little bit more alert mm -hmm. being on your own um, or like even if you're just like two people or like a smaller group you're a little bit more aware of your surroundings that you're able to catch these things and um, like just problem solve on the spot yeah yeah I, f I feel the same way I'm like you know trust people yeah but have fun but still keep your be wits very about you too. aware of what's happening around you right yeah right um why Morocco what made you want to come here um, actually, I didn't know much about Morocco until I've seen, um, or I was exposed to it through social media. Mm -hmm. uh, you end up following like a lot of different travel accounts. And then I saw a lot of really beautiful pictures like of Shoshawin on Instagram. And that's always been on like my bucket list to go. I've also never been to Af Africa. So this is my first time entering this continent. Me too. Yeah. And it's been a really amazing experience so far. Did um, the, uh... You know, like right when I bought my plane ticket, mm -hmm. I found out about the two Scan the two Scandinavian women that got beheaded yeah. um, down south of Marrakesh. Did that worry you guys at all, or deter you, especially as women traveling? I mean, even for me as a male, I feel like I was a little skeptical when I heard about it. Well, like Adriana and I were talking about that, and I feel like danger is kind of everywhere. And like we just talked about, I feel like you just have to be super aware of what's going on around you. Um, stuff like that happens all the time it even happened in our local city um, literally days before we left too so I think just being smart street smart more um, I feel like those are potential dangers that you could avoid yeah no I I totally agree I feel like most of the time when I hear about travelers you know in bad, like bad things happening to them, they yeah. usually made a, a bad decision before that yeah. happened, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I like guess that. sometimes that's unavoidable, but right. I feel like a lot of those are... The worst Yeah. The worst thing here is just the heckling. They just want money from you. Yeah, You're exactly. not like an actual They charge you for everything. Everything. Yeah. They want to help you every direction, yeah, everything exactly. like that. Which, like, at first you kind of think that it's like a friendly gesture mm -hmm. of a local, and then when they take you to the end destination, they're like, okay, that will be like 10 dirhams. But sometimes it is a friendly gesture. It is a friendly gesture. Like actually a local helped us find um, our hostel yeah. yesterday. And but I'm like waiting to give them for money. For you, that happened, right? Yeah. So I get out of the taxi and 
the taxi driver's like, oh, just two minutes that way, right? And, like, there's just all those winding roads and everything. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. And uh, I walked for two minutes, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going the right direction. And, like, this, like, hooded guy was just like, hey, you want some hashish? You want some hashish? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like. Was he in the cloak? He kept, yeah, he was in the cloak, <laughs> and he kept following me. And I asked people, and they're like, it's this way. And he would not leave me alone. And finally, like, I got desperate. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give you 20 dirham, which is $2. That's just very take generous. Me <laughs> to take me to where I need to. I just was desperate. Yeah. It was like 1130 at night. And he keeps walking me. He's like, come. And he's like way too excited. And he started like telling his friends, like, like, yeah, yeah, it's all this way. And I'm like, I don't know if I can trust this guy or not. I have no idea. Yeah. So I, I like start going down this alley. And I'm like, this is way more than two minutes. And this is not where the taxi driver told me to go. Yeah. So I just literally ditched him. And I ran back the other direction from where I came. And I found two more tourists that were talking to some other guy. And he ended up helping me. And, of course, he takes me the same exact way that the homeless guy started taking me. And gets me right to the door of the hostel. And I, like, wanted to hug him. I was so relieved. Yeah. And, like, almost like a movie, the homeless guy comes out of nowhere. And he's just like, give me my money. Give me my money. He was, like, waiting for <laughs> me to find this. And, like, go figure. I could have actually trusted him, but I was just too skeptical. Yeah. So I ended up giving him... All I had was one coin on me, and I just wanted to get in the door. But that's crazy that he was just waiting because he knows where you're going to be. Oh, he knew I was going to get there eventually. Yeah, exactly. He eventually, knew he, wasn't lying to me. he knows where you're going to be at, so he's just li literally waiting to collect his money. It's just like that uh, parallel between, like, do I look like an asshole because I won't trust him? Yeah. You know, or when he's truly trying to show me the right place? Or, no, you know but I mean? like, I mean, obviously you had like that gut feeling, so you want to avoid that situation yeah. any possible. Yeah, right? you've got, if you follow your gut feeling and, you know, it's it's self defense, it's not being yeah, selfish. Yeah, exactly. It's know? not. And you're in a foreign country that doesn't speak yeah. your language. Don't so. take any chances that you don't yeah, need to. Yeah, exactly. But by, for the most part, like, I haven't felt threatened. Yeah, neither have one, we. One bit. Even that guy was like, today he's like oh you're an american oh awesome cool like yeah, we're really excited like, to see americans here. they're like welcome actually taking photos of you so <laughs> yeah yeah yes yeah, this man with long me. hair <laughs> yeah, yeah. so what are some of your favorite stories so far either here abroad anywhere else I told you i was gonna choke on this part <laughs> i don't have stories ready to go like what's your what's your favorite Oh, biking in Chile was actually so much fun. It was tiring as hell, but it was fun. We actually snowboarded in Chile too, Atacama Desert, which is the driest place on earth. Um, like every time we went down, we had to wax our entire boards, but because the sand was so hot, mm -hmm. um, it would melt by the time like- So you're sandboarding. We, yeah, so sandboarding. And then w as soon as the wax melts off on the sand, it just stops moving. Really? Yeah. So do you just do like a face plant? No, no. It just like forward? slow. It just gradually slows down at the end. <laughs> it's kind of convenient, actually. Yeah, it is. Because then we're like, are you sure we're not going to like ride right into this like truck, like the truck that we came in? And mm -hmm. it was like, no, no, it's just going to stop. I was like, I don't get it. And then we're like, oh, cool. What else have we done? Sunsets in Santiago? Yeah, sunsets in Santiago was amazing, too. That was actually the, one of the best sunsets I've ever seen. The colors. Yeah. It's crazy how different it looks from around the world. She's asking for a story. I don't have stories. You've got good stories. Yeah, she's got I good know stories. You do. Adriana, share a story. She's been around the world too. She's been to Everest Space. Outer Space? 
Everest base. Everest base. I could see how you're. I was like, what? <laughs> Outer space. Wild. How do you travel? How do you have the means? How are you here right now? How do you have oh. the means and time to travel? The money for it? Isn't it expensive? So I am extremely frugal in my day to day back home. I save 50% of my income. And just for traveling? Not just for traveling, just for life. And then yeah. times like these, like that way I have enough. Like right now, I quit my job so that I can study for like what I'm passionate about. And then um, my friend here works for the airline, which is super convenient that we get a huge discount on flights. But even before, like I saved a lot of money so I can go see the world. Um, even before, like when I went for five months in Southeast Asia, I worked for like, I worked in sales. So I just like, you know, made a ton of commission, didn't spend like a dime on anything back home. And I knew that I was going to use all that money so that I could be on the road for five months. Did your mom and dad ever help you out? No, they haven't. They've never given you a dime for traveling? No. no. Do you have a sugar daddy? I don't have a sugar daddy. I wish. <laughs> I wish I did. That would definitely make things a little easier. Right. Any of you out there listening? Any of you out there listening? Sugar baby. <laughs> Sucrose. Sucrose father. Sucrose father. Sucrose papa. How much like a day do you think you spend when you're like like an average day traveling like day to day? Um. Like if you're a country like this, you know. In a country like this, it's been like. Yeah, less than fifty dollars, I'd say. I would say we're yeah, thirty. Less than thirty a day. Yeah, I agree. It's been very inexpensive here. I was in Berlin before this, and I think I spent as much in Berlin in one day as I have here in a week. In a week. Yeah. And this true. is way more exciting. Europe, yeah. It's Europe been way is more very expensive. Yeah. Southeast Asia is super inexpensive. Here, it's been relatively cheap as well. Chile was quite expensive, actually. Yeah. Yeah. What was the hostel cost today? It was like it was um, nine dollars, hundred dirham. So like ten euros, ten dollars ish. Yeah, ten dollars. We, take. we yeah. had that really good meal today. It was like that was literally $2. two bucks. Yeah, three dollars. Three dollars max. Yeah. yeah, with pastry and coffee. Exactly. <laughs> so if you had any messages to a girl back home mm -hmm. or anyone listening that is skeptical about this type of traveling, Yeah. what would you tell them? I think, um, first of all, in order to afford it, because I think that's the most number one question I get, like, how do you afford to do all this? How do you get the time off? Even when I was working corporate where we only got a uh, two-week vacation, I was very um, smart about, like, my time management, even the days off. I'll try to, like, book it during, like, a long weekend. Um, and... Definitely saving 50% of your income if your rent isn't too expensive. I think that really helped me out a lot to be able to just like, like she'll just like randomly message me one day and be like, hey, let's go here. And I'm like, hey, done. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you'll be able to make those like decisions on the fly. And um, in terms of safety, just being very wary about your surroundings. Um, like, I know even one of my friends who travels alone, like, I mean, this is for people who definitely want to take it to the next step of just, like, precautions. She carried around, like, a pepper spray with her. Um, sometimes that gets taken away at the airports. 
Um, but you've never been in a situation where you I've felt like never, you needed to use... Yeah, like pepper spray was just like super cautious, right? But yeah. even on our backpacks, we have like a whistle, like a safety whistle on yeah. our uh, buckle. Um, but again, like never been in a situation where I needed to use it. I feel like just being, just treating everybody as if they're just like a person rather than like a like scary threatening male or something like just that. Just like back yeah, home, Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't walk down the dark alley. Exactly. get wasted and not know where you are. Yeah, cover your home. drinks at the bar. That's a big thing is not getting, I feel like when most bad things happen, people are really drunk. Really drunk, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever been like super wasted where I'm like incoherent. Like Never. Yeah, like maybe back home, like I'm with my friends, like I could just like cab home, whatever, that's easy. But like maybe when you're you know, maybe don't make that your priority yeah. <laughs> when traveling. Like, That's, I agree with that. Cause like, yeah. I'm always like, I can get drunk at home. Why would exactly, I do it here? And like, then it, you waste your whole next day. Exactly. Just being hungover. Yeah. You sleep in way later. You, yeah. I'm not here to, exactly. to party. I'm here to see things and experience and things. experience and learn yeah. and meet other people. Like, and if you're just like out here getting intoxicated, right. you're missing out on so much more. I think the closest I got to getting too drunk was I was in Amsterdam, of course. And yeah. I was at a, I wasn't at my hostel. I was at a different party hostel watching the the uh, the World Cup, and I like there was a point where I was like, okay, I put the beer down. Like I wasn't even halfway done with it. I'm like, nobody's watching out for me. No one's looking out for me. And I gotta find my way back. Like I need to stop now. You know, you yeah. just gotta have that conscious effort to not get wrapped up in the moment, whatever's going on, because you gotta realize, you know, you're by yourself. Yeah. There was a girl actually. I had to buy her dinner in Barcelona. Because she, uh, she left, she went skinny dipping on the beach and she left her wallet, phone, and passport in her clothes. See, while stupid she was, decision. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's, always that's just making happens. really, have you ever made a, have you ever made like a dumb decision while traveling? Like that you got yourself in a situation? No. No. Like, I feel like we're pretty smart about it. Honestly, I, I gotta say you're probably two of the most confident, intelligent girls that I've I've met. Well, thank you. <laughs> Even though you you dragged me, you yeah, dragged we, me halfway up this. We dragged him off route, totally like just up rocks, we were, and we were kind of stuck up there for a while, totally ready to become nomads with the mountain goats. We're like going on this path, and she's like, "I'm gonna change my shoes into flip flops. Like it, it's not gonna be dirty at all." And it was up there in the Spanish mosque on top of the mountain. Yeah. And there's just this crazy ravine with all these rocks. So like, let's go up there, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's funny." That's a they're joke. Like, like no, no. no. <laughs> We're serious, no. like, let's go. Yeah. So in flip-flops. And her and just... I are on the same wave, so we're like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> He's I'm like, like, that's a joke, right? <laughs> do they need to hold... I'm like, here, I'll put my hand out to help. I'm like, they don't need my help. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I need their help. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you girls are awesome. Thank you so much it for doing this you. today. Yeah, definitely. And maybe I'll see you guys in Toronto. Yes, come visit. All right. Signing. Okay, so... The Moroccan Dundee over here needs to elaborate <laughs> on one story because you left out a really big part of this, UC. Sorry. Okay. All right, kids. Grandpa here. <laughs> uh, so in the desert, you can rent bikes. You, you can Wait, do a this is the desert story you were telling yeah, from Yeah, so this Chile. is the Chilean desert. It's the driest desert in the world. It's super difficult to get to, but it's really rewarding. And yeah, it took us 24 hours to get yeah, there. Yeah, took us 24 hours to get there. A plane ride, a bus ride, a taxi ride. We got there, and you have the option to rent like just a paid tour where you pay someone to take you in a van to take you to all the attractions. That's not how we do things. So we rented regular old school bikes. Uh, they gave you colorful vests and helmets, and 
<laughs> Good luck. Yeah, and pretty much said this is head that direction. You'll you'll get to where you want to get to. So it's so dangerous. Yeah. 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 Are you serious? Yeah. So they give you a spare tire, pumps, a flashlight, yeah. uh, <laughs> just because you're in the middle of the desert. You under, <laughs> you undertook this story like. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's it's in the middle of the desert. Like there, when I say there's, it's like there's nobody there. There's no story. No, no one said that. No one said anything. So they, they, you go to, it's called Valle de la Luna. So it's like the Valley of the Moon. And people go there to see the sunset because it's beautiful. You're in, on a sand dune and it's magical and whatever. So you get it, you go through the park and they give you a map. or like, stop here. And then after three kilometers, there's another stop. So we're like, oh, this isn't bad. Yeah, the three kilometers is uphill in the middle of the driest place in the world. It's hot AF. It, it was difficult. We had to walk our bikes a couple of times but whatever we made it we watched the sunset it was cool and then they don't tell you about the part where you have to bike in complete darkness there is no street lamps there is no nothing there is also no people left on the road because everyone is in their cars so the two girls just bike through complete darkness on their two wonky bikes with very tired legs and we made it back no problem we found our way and uh, the next day we were, we, we were just sitting in our hostel and two girls were asking about the whole journey. So we told them, like, this is what we did. And the hostel worker jumped over the counter and was like, no, do not do that. It's so dangerous. So many people die that way because they get hit by cars. Yeah. But and you already did it. You already, already came did out. it. And, uh, it, was, <laughs> it was What were you thinking while you were driving through the dark like that? Could you see, like, any, how far in front of you? Uh, so they give you headlamps, which were not very good. So we had our phones out, and thank God I had my own headlamp. And there's oncoming cars, but it was, it was be actually one of the most beautiful, I think, moments because the stars were the most amazing. It, we, there's no there's no lights. Yeah. So there's no... And you're on a cliffside or, like... No, it's you're on a flat desert. You're right. on a road, and it's just a straightforward road. You can't really get lost. Uh, there's signs, but... It was just complete darkness, and then you look up every once in a while, and just the sky is lit up. It was, it was worth it. But we made it back on our bikes and scabs. And here you are. And here we are in Morocco now. Falling you up a mountainside. Mm -hmm. All right. Sorry, I just had to get that last part there. Thank you for <laughs> sucking it up, and I know you didn't want to talk. So, I just got here to Fez in Morocco after a couple days in the Sahara, and I had a really nice breakfast with somebody that I think you all need to hear from. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Good. So I'm going to let you pronounce your name because I cannot, I don't want to butcher it. Okay, <laughs> my, uh, my name's Amutha. Amutha? Yeah. Nice to meet you finally. You too. Yeah. So, um, where are you from? I'm from, I grew up in London. But I live on the Isle of Man, which is a small island off the northwest coast of the UK. Really? You, what, how did you end up there? Um, so I work as a doctor. So when you apply for jobs, you get given like one or two yearly contracts. So my contract this time around is a year on the Isle of Man and then a year in Liverpool, which is actually in England. Is it beautiful there? I've never been. Uh, yeah, it's really beautiful. Wow. Yeah, it's really nice in the summer. Nice. It's a bit depressing in the winter, but... <laughs> So, um, who are you traveling with? On my own. On your own? Yep. And you're a female? Yes. How old are you? I'm 27. 27. Why travel on your own? Isn't it dangerous? Um, I, it's not, 
dangerous. It can be dangerous. Um, for the most part, it hasn't been. Um, I travel on my own because it means that I can kind of do what I like. Um, it means that if I meet people, then I have the option of either choosing to travel with them or spending, or you can decide how much time you want to spend with someone. How often does that happen uh, that you meet other people travel with? Uh, every time I've stayed in a hostel, I've met other people. Every so single time? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I've had the same. Yeah. Uh, how often do women travel alone? Um, I think I've met, not so much in Morocco, but in other places, I've met quite a lot of women who do travel on their own, I think. But then I, I, I stay in hostels, so that's where you're going to most likely meet single sort of female travelers anyway so so do the female travelers once they they kind of like buddy up once you meet in the hostels then or um no well not necessarily i guess somewhere like morocco it makes it makes sense it's just a little bit easier wandering mm. around with someone else um but no like i i, I don't think it I'd, yeah i don't think female travelers will necessarily buddy up it depends on what kind of person you are and whether you actually want to spend your entire day Right. With someone else or not. So, so you don't feel threatened when you're walking down the streets or you've never had an inc you never had incidents where, you know, you've been uncomfortable or anything like no, that? No, no, I have. You I've have. had, uh, yeah, I've had quite a few. Um, so in Morocco, I've been followed. Um, so I stayed in a place called Mule Idris, which is a small pilgrimage town near Fez. Um, and it it's not hugely touristy. There are tourists who come. Um mainly during the day. No one really tends to stay overnight. I stayed overnight. Um, I went out for dinner on my own um, and then I was followed back to my hotel. Um, I It was fairly busy. There were a lot of local people around. I knew nothing would would probably happen, but it still <coughs> was sort of felt quite threatening unnerving. being followed. Yeah, yeah, very unnerving. Yeah, Yeah, we got followed from... Me and my friend got followed from... Uh, the bus station yeah. to here by a guy. I think he was just trying to pickpocket maybe. Yeah. And you just that's just part of traveling is keeping your wits about yourself yeah. and being your surroundings. I I think for the most part traveling is is extremely safe and there's a lot of very good people and there's just bad people no matter where you go to. Yeah. And I don't think necessarily they're gonna they're gonna kill you but no. They mostly no. just are desperate people that Yeah. Are looking I think for money. here what I've noticed is that um, if someone was going to be violent towards you, they tend to be more violent towards men. Um, Why is that? that? I don't know. I don't know whether they, th I, I whether they feel like they might get in more trouble if something happens to a woman. I, I don't. I'm not sure. But this is what I've sort of from speaking to people in hostels and yeah. people that I've met. It sounds like like more of the violent stuff has happened towards men. But generally, m like 99% of the people that I've met traveling in Morocco haven't experienced any violence. People have been scammed. Um, out of money, but nobody's actually experienced sort of, or, or very few people have experienced crime. Right. Even, like, petty crime. Right. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. I, I've never felt like someone's going to threaten or hurt, harm me, but I think they're desperate to try to make a dollar, make yeah. some money, and they'll, they'll, they're going to do whatever it takes yeah. to get that. Um, you heard about the two girls. Yeah, the two girls who got beheaded. Yeah. Yeah. Did that deter you at all from coming here? Um, is this how many times have you been here? This is my second time. This is your second time. Yeah. So you obviously really like it here, then. Uh, so the first time I came with friends and I really enjoyed it, but I wanted to see what it would be like on my own, mm -hmm. as well. Um, whether it would be scary um, or scarier, <clears throat> and it definitely has been. Do you do it um, as a challenge? 
eat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do a little bit, yeah. Definitely. Um, the more I'm told that something is a bad idea, the more likely that I am to do it. If I feel like it's it's not. Right. So I won't do something that I think is stupid. But if I feel like people are being overly cautious for no reason, then... Right. Then I feel not. like that's a lot of the reason why I, I chose to come here too is because, you know... Um, it's a Muslim country and they yeah. speak Arabic and my family and my, f you know, people back home are concerned and I was like, why? Because they, they speak a specific yeah. language, you know? I, and what I've learned from here is that they don't want to be represented by terrorists yeah. any more than me as an American wants to be represented by Kim Kardashian or Donald yeah. Trump, you know what I mean? So that's kind of, I, I feel like we have more in common than not. Yeah. And I always bring up Anthony Bourdain because... He's one of my heroes, but, you know, the episode where he goes to Pakistan, he says, I think it's your, it's our duty to mm -hmm. find out, you know, what these yeah. places are yeah, truly like for ourselves. And I've, there's good people here and there's bad people here just like everywhere else. You yeah. know, you just got to be careful. Yeah. I've spoken to a lot of, um, a lot of, well, like, while I've been in Fez, I spoke to a lot of um, people, a lot of American men, actually, um, and said that traveling here as a woman can be quite, can be difficult, more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and more difficult than some of the other places I've traveled to alone because you do get catcalled a bit. Um, you do get followed, even if you know that nothing's really going to happen and they're just sort of teasing you. It's, yeah. it's unnerving. Right. Um, and you're not entirely sure who you can and can't trust. And they've always said that there's good, good and bad people. Um, unfortunately, some people, they do need to earn Oh, that everyone needs to earn a living um, and maybe push the boundaries of that a little bit so tourists tend to feel, can feel hassled and harassed. But or, that doesn't necessarily represent or shouldn't represent the entire community. Right. Where else have you traveled alone? Uh, India and Japan. Okay. And Malaysia and Vietnam. What, what was it like there? Was it, what was the climate like there compared to here as far as tra a woman traveling by herself? Um, so in India, it was... In India, I did not meet, um, I'm, I think I met one woman traveling on her own. Yeah. Um, so, so there was less. Um, it, it felt safe. Um, I traveled around South India. Um, I was with a friend for, for a couple of weeks and then I was on my own for a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, it felt perfectly safe. Um, like I was saying before, at the beginning, I was quite quite wary of being on my own, of talking to people, of being wary of my possessions. But by the end, I felt really, really comfortable because you know that no one's really going to, unless you're doing stupid, stupid shit. Um, what's, a, what's, a, what's an example of, like, stupid shit? So, so doing anything that a local wouldn't, wouldn't do because they think it's too, <coughs> too dangerous right. would be stupid. So I did walk around on my own at night in India um, in places that were busy. Yeah. Um, or not too busy, but bu busier. And um, where I knew that I was a main road, I knew how I would get back to my hostel. Mm -hmm. um, and that was fine. I never really walked anywhere at night that was deserted. Um, so where if you needed help, there would be no one to help you, basically. So, um, yeah, stuff like that. Like, I never... Like, you, you have to sort of have your wits about you in terms of who you make friends with. Um, so I did meet people, I did speak to random people, but I wouldn't necessarily let... Like, so people... So I'd, I'd say if I, I met a guy who offered to take me on, like, um, a day trip, 
Um, but I didn't feel entirely comfortable, didn't know him, hadn't met him before, so I declined. So it's, it's stuff, stuff like that. Whereas I met people who I felt comfortable with straight away. Yeah. Um, and so as a group, you could go in and do stuff if you met locals, so. And I felt like in the hostels, you always meet trustworthy people that are also traveling. Yeah, you know? yeah. They're, they're, you, you can always trust them more because you don't feel like they have any any reason to, yeah. to do anything harmful. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I met a lot of local Indians in hostels as well. So they were traveling from like place to place because India is so huge. Right. Um, so that that was a good way of meeting local people, but knowing that you're safe and so you can spend hang out with them and like get to know the country a bit better. From how do your parents? How do your parents and family feel about you traveling by yourself? Um, <laughs> honestly, my mom they don't know that I'm here on my own. What? Are you serious? <laughs> because so as far as I'm concerned, what they don't know won't hurt them. They know I'm in Morocco. Um, I speak to my mom every day. Um, I, when she asked, I just told her that I had friends here that I was coming to meet. Oh, so she thinks I'm with friends. Because <laughs> if, cause if I told her I was on my own, she wouldn't necessarily be able to stop me coming, but she'd be very, very upset and she'd be scared, terrified the entire time. Right. Um, and I don't really think it's worth it. Um, she, I traveled to Japan on my own. Um, Did she know about In it? June, she knew I was on my own and she hated it. Um, she didn't know anything about Japan, but was really, really worried about it. And even though I tried to explain to her that it was probably one of the safest places you could you could travel to, travel around on your own, um, she couldn't couldn't grasp that concept. Yeah. So I like I realized it was easier. The stress wasn't to, worth it. Wasn't, it wasn't worth stressing it. her out. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah, and could, it makes no that. difference whether they think I'm on my own. Oh, well, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think it makes any difference whether they think I'm on my own. When did you with, start um, getting an interest in traveling? Um, when I, so it was in my fourth year of medical school, um, at the end of our fourth year after our final exams, you do something called an elective where you can go and work in a hospital abroad or, or locally. Um, so me and my friends went to India. Um, so my last trip to India was actually my second. Um, we went to India and that was the first place I'd ever flown to in within my memory yeah. I'd flown as a, a baby but obviously I don't remember that um and I just really loved it we went to India then we went to Hong Kong and Japan and I really 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 enjoyed it nice. I really enjoyed being out of my comfort zone um I really enjoyed the culture shock and I really enjoyed meeting um people who live completely different lives to anything that I'd ever experienced. So. What's the importance of being outside your comfort zone, of, of the culture shock? Why spend all this money to be uncomfortable, to risk danger, to risk getting food poisoning and, and all these things? What is the benefit of that? Like, um, what, do you, what do you gain from that? So uh, personally, I think it's a little bit of an adrenaline hit. Um, like being somewhere where you do feel really stressed out. Um, you also feel like it makes me feel quite accomplished at the end of the day, like, okay, I just landed in some random new place. I didn't have any internet, but I managed to make, myself, make my way to the hostel. Like, I managed to go out for the first time and get myself some food. I managed to do this without getting scammed. So it, like, it kind of makes you real, feel like you can, you can do things yeah. um, that people tell you that you can't. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's so. the most rewarding thing that's happened while traveling to you? Like a story maybe? Uh, or just crazy story, you know, one of your favorite travel stories. Um, oh. In, so it's, 
I, I don't know, I wouldn't say it was one of my favorite travel stories, but it's probably the most, it's probably the stupidest thing that I've done <laughs> um, traveling. Um, so we can learn from so, this? Yes, <laughs> please, 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 please learn from it. Um, so when I went to India for the first time, I think I was maybe 20, 21. Um, obviously, it was the first time I traveled. Um, I'm quite a sociable person, so I love meeting new people. Um, me, me and one of my friends are walking. We were walking in a... So the others had gone to get a massage. And we were walking in, um, in a city called Jaipur. Um, and we were looking for this market. Um, so we asked a few... Um, a few people who didn't know um, and then these um, two local Indian guys young Indian guys probably like 23 24 years old um, overheard us and came over um, and they were ba so they showed us where the market was and then they offered to take us to this temple um, in a rickshaw and on their bikes um, and at this point any sensible person should probably avoid um, going off with a stranger on their motorbike to a busy, busy city in the northern part of India, which is known to be more dangerous as well. Um, so we went, it was fine, went to this beautiful temple. Um, they, yeah, they, they showed us around, it was fine. Um, and then the next night they invited us to come and have drinks um, at their uncle's place. Um, Quote unquote. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so a lot of people in India say, oh, like, if you come to my friend's place, and they usually, where they drink is they drink in hotels. So we thought his uncle owned a hotel where they had a bar. Um, so we were like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, they came and picked us up in taxis, um, and our friends were like, please don't go. <laughs> you guys are such idiots. And we were like, no, it's fine. There are new mates. We're going to go hang out and have a drink and, like, yeah, yeah. learn all about India. So we went, we went in a taxi. Um, and then they stopped the taxi and they like asked us to get out and get the buy the drinks, um, and that was another like alarm bell. Like instead of them like providing alcohol um, or us going and drinking at their uncle's uncle's place, yeah, uncle's yeah. hotel, whatever, um, they wanted us us the two of us to buy the alcohol instead instead of them spending any money. So we went we went and bought the alcohol, um, and then they took us to their uncle's place, which was basically his house. Um, we went upstairs and the, the uncle, auntie and two kids were like in a small room upstairs. Um, and then they were like, okay, we're going to drink downstairs. Um, so we go, so they open the door with stairs leading down and it's just, it's just dark at the bottom. You can't see anything. So at this point, um, I'm just like, shit, where are we? Who, who are these people? Where are we going? Like, how do I, how do I get out of this? Obviously I didn't, I didn't say anything. So we just carried on walking into like, this dark, um, is it is it called an attic or a cellar when it's like cellar. below? Yeah, so yeah, 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 <laughs> basement. It was like dark, couldn't see anything. So we like fumbled to the bottom of these stairs, turned on a light, and it was just a small dingy room, like a, a straw straw mattress, nothing else. Um, and we well started drinking, and I I was petrified at this point because I I didn't really know where I was. I realized that we didn't really know these guys. Um, and, but my friend, and my friend had started drinking and she gets drunk very easily. So she'd had a couple of sips, um, of beer and she'd like gone red in the face. So she's Asian. So she gets an Asian flush, she's gone <laughs> red in the face. Um, and 
I and they were trying to get me to drink and I refused and they were being so persistent yeah. and I felt very very uncomfortable um, but I just I, I made a lot I think I I lied and said that for religious reasons I couldn't I couldn't drink um, and so just sat there like watching it and we the, the uncle then started brought out his nunchuck he had nunchucks so he brought these out into the cellar and then started demonstrating them to us um, which that, that was kind of cool that was quite quite fun <laughs> okay. um, and then the two out of the two guys only one spoke English and then he started asking us about our sex lives he started asking us if we'd had like how many people we'd slept with if we'd had threesomes telling us he'd had had threesomes in the past um, and then at, at that point, I was like, okay, we have to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to go. So I, like, dragged my friend, and he was just like, I feel, the guy was like, oh, I feel really offended that you won't drink. It's because you don't feel safe with us, You like, in our presence. And I was like, I'm in a basement yeah. in India with two guys I've just met. I'm not going to feel pressurized into drinking alcohol. Um, so I grabbed my friend and went upstairs. By this point, it was probably, like, 1 a.m. So I just asked one of the guys to to um, get us a taxi so he stopped a taxi um, and in India something that happens is which I noticed in the north part of India is when so with with taxi with taxi drivers sometimes they'll be driving around in the middle of the night but they'll have like a friend with them yeah which is really scary because like so you you get in a taxi but there's another random person there yeah that's just like along for the ride right keeping them so, company or something yeah but it's so like this taxi pulled up with two of the like dodgiest looking guys I'd ever seen like you know when you just you just look at someone and think no they looked really really creepy and the way they were looking at us really like I, I think it was already quite a stressful situation so it really right. stressed me it was out hiding, it was hiding yeah it, it, and I was like, just like yeah. oh my god who am I safer with like these guys <coughs> or these guys I was like probably the guys who like haven't done anything to us yet we're probably safer with um and then basically made them like bikes and accompany us home so drive by the taxi yeah um and then we got home we got back to our hotel at like i don't think it was like one in the morning had to wake up for the um the the guard to to let us in yeah um i got massively told off by our friends as well <laughs> the next morning right for like um letting them drink drive um going into a random basement in the middle of nowhere with two people we don't know right. in india um so yeah that's yeah that's probably the stupidest and as i've gotten older like and i've been in more like i've kind of heard of people being in situations like that i'm like shit that is the dumbest thing i've ever done yeah and we could have easily like died we could have been killed could have been raped um and yeah it's yeah. I always, yeah. yeah, I always, like, every time I hear stories about, like, people either getting their cell phones stolen or their wallet or passport, it's always been very absent-minded situations where it was like, okay, yeah. this is more your fault than their fault, yeah. in a way, um, but that's a good learning learning lesson, for sure. Yeah. I met a girl, I was in Barcelona, and I bought this girl dinner one night because she was, like, eating fruit she found. And because she got her wallet, phone, and passport stolen, she went skinny dipping with and left it all on the beach. And I'm like, oh, I'm wow. like, okay, well, what were you thinking? Like, why would you ever, you yeah. know, do that? But well, I'm glad you're here, safe <laughs> so and much. safe and okay. But you know, um, advice for for anyone traveling and women in general, yeah, you would definitely. say, you know, stick to. What would you say? I guess. Um. 
it's hard because you also can't avoid everything because then how do you have a good time and like and be able to talk about experiences like this so just look after yourself um do, if you're thinking about doing something ask someone local if they think that would be safe mm -hmm. or not so in fairs i always ask someone whether it's safe to walk somewhere at night and if if someone local says no then i won't right i won't do it right um but also don't you can see what vibe you get with people and choose who you do and don't want to have certain experiences with mm -hmm. you can't necessarily avoid everyone because you're scared right you yeah. can't avoid life because you're scared yeah, exactly and i feel like that's kind of what what you're doing yeah so where are you heading from fez i am going to a place called balil okay uh, which is a village um which is a half an hour drive outside of fez i think um, no one really seems to know how to get there, but there's a guy who owns a guest house there that's given me some instructions, um, some vague <laughs> instructions. So hopefully I'll make it there. Um, and then after that, I'll be heading to Marrakesh to catch my flight. So you really like to get off the beaten path? Yeah. You like yeah. to go to the, the foreign country and then get really off the beaten path? Yeah, then. but like I wouldn't, so I wouldn't go to Balil. I'm only going to Balil because there is somewhere that I can stay there. Mm -hmm. um, if there was so that in, when I was in India, there, there was loads of times where I really wanted to just head to a village, but I was on my own um, and without knowing that I'd have somewhere to stay and what the welcome would be like at a village, I couldn't couldn't do it. Right. So I'm only doing it here because there, there's a guest house there. So it's not really that off off the beaten path. Do you think it's important honest. to travel alone versus? Mm. Um, I think it's it's different for everyone. Uh, for me, I like traveling alone because, like I said, it means that I can sort of choose. If you meet people, you can choose whether you want to spend time with them or not. And sometimes I do do things that are a bit more risky. And I know that if I was traveling with friends, I might not necessarily be able to do those things. Right. Um, but it depends on what you're comfortable with. Like Morocco, for example, I think is probably somewhere that's best better. As a woman, I think it's better if you travel with a friend. Yeah. Or at yeah. least, you know, you stay in a hostel and you meet people to travel with. I think... There's much easier countries to travel yeah, before definitely. you start in Morocco. It's not... Not all people are bad, but because s some make it a bit more difficult, you've always got this heightened sense of what's going to happen. Right. Or if I talk to someone, what's their gender going to be? And I felt that the most here than anywhere else. So yeah, I, th I think it would be more enjoyable traveling Morocco with a friend. Do you think those... Well, that girl that was, those two girls, they were with a friend, you know. Mm. Do you think it was their fault? Do you think they made a mistake? Do um, you think it was silly for them to to do what they were doing? Like, what, 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 I'm not do sure you of the exact details. They, they camped, they, were they camping on um, Mount Tubkal? Yeah, that? yeah, that's, that was like the second highest mountain in yeah. Africa or something like that. Just like south of Marrakesh. Um. I don't know. I do, do people normally camp on Mount Tubkal? I have no I th idea. Yeah, there was a lot of tourists there, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure. And so I've, I've been curious to ask people, you know, because mm. uh, I, I was a little skeptical because I bought my ticket right, yeah. right when that happened or right after that happened. And, um, you know, 11 million people visit Morocco a year mm. and two out of a million, 11 million, yeah. you know, I feel like that's pretty... Um, no, I don't, they probably, were, no, I don't think they were being stupid. You should be able to, if you want to go hiking, then you should be able to camp. Yeah. Um, but it just, was it, it was, they caught some Moroccan men. Is that yeah. right? <coughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't no. really know the details if like they were 
if the Moroccan men were guiding them or if yeah. they showed up in the middle of the night while they were there or not, but mm. yeah. Um, the, what I was, what was hearsay, but what I was told was that I think that they'd met some locals who'd said they could take them to the mountain, mountain and they yeah. could go camping. Yeah. So it's difficult to say because if you're not in their shoes, you don't know what impression they got of these people. Right. And um, how safe they felt. Well, they wouldn't have gone if they didn't feel safe. So, yeah. it yeah, it's difficult to say. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I stick with the excursions that, like, you can get through yeah. the hostel. Yeah, I think somewhere like this is probably safe. If you want to be safe, then it's probably better to to stick with, um, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, stick with something that's been recommended to you. Right. Yeah, I've, I've had no problem at all with, and there's so many options, too, when you get here, that you can pick and choose anything, everything, anything you want, and I, I feel fairly confident. Yeah. And you can talk to people that have already done it, things like that, yeah. so. Yeah, so I think, like, if you're getting guides, you can use, like, it's okay to use local guides to show you around the city, mm -hmm. um, but I think if that is what happened, then you have to be a bit careful about letting them take you to places that are further out where there's not that many people around or right. whatever. Stick to the more touristy areas. Yeah, yeah. Because I've definitely had people show me around, kids show me around cities and stuff, but mm -hmm. um, there's always people around, so. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for You're doing welcome. this. I think this is really important.